0: Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Griff here. Another episode of the uh, Beer Engine Podcast, a.k.a. two fat guys ramble on for an hour about uh, beer and maybe whatever else. Um, The guy with me, uh, of course, uh, is, uh, you know him as the flight attendant on American airlines. Uh, he was on flight 7468 from Boise to Seattle. Uh, Tony, that is a famous flight where, uh, that was full of black shirted Antifa militia. So I know you were there. I know you were passing out drinks. You had your little apron on. You were asking all the Antifa guys in the masks. And the shirts. What do you want? What do you want to drink? Do you want like an Alaskan Amber IPA? Do you want, you know? So, Tony, how was the flight? What, what were those guys drinking?
0: Well, these guys are outstanding human beings. Let me be honest. They are they are kind-hearted. They are completely non-combative. But the surprising thing is, Michelob Ultra drinkers, all of them, across oh, the yeah. board. I, I, I think it must be an edict coming from head office Van of Tiefer, wherever that head office is.
1: Sor- Soros.
0: Oh, yes. And not George, Alexander, for sure. Um, oh, that's right, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Tucker Carlson starts doing the Bill O'Reilly thing and he will start trying to boycott Michelob Ultra. Because it, much like a Bloody Mary, everybody knows that Michelob Ultra. Tastes better in the air than it does on the ground. Same with the Bloody Mary because of the cabin pressure. A Bloody Mary tastes delicious on a plane. You get it at sea level, absolute trash.
1: <laughs> I didn't know you didn't like Bloody Marys. That's funny. Um yeah, no. The uh, so Tony, did you did you did you catch word of this? Were you are you just flying, are, are, or was this was this something that when you were up there in the air, you didn't know these guys were going to Seattle to start some shit? Or did did you find out when Trump said it? When did you when did you catch word that these were you know Antifa uh, you know w- warmongers?
0: Warmongers, That's a strong term. I just thought they were heading to a rock concert. They were all dressed in black. Yes, there was something written on their t-shirts, but as you know, <laughs> I don't like to read things. I
1: oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we hate reading. Both of if, us hate reading. In fact, if, yeah.
0: if we're going to um, consume information, I like it in picture form, and I'm not talking about moving pictures. I like it, you know, like the safety card that I that I that I point out at the start of every flight.
1: That's how, I want to, with, thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's how I want to consume my information. So if a shirt's got writing, I think it's all the same thing written on it. I think it's a, like a Megadeth T-shirt. So I, I, I was thinking they were heading to a rock concert, not to an Antifa rally, but they're a little too polite, a little too well-spoken, um, not raucous enough really to be rock fans. I just thought they were headed to a rock concert. I don't know why we would be having a rock concert right now,
1: but they well, – We were because <laughs> – not to bounce around to that, but Sturgis or whatever. But anyways, um, so, Tony, I, I, what do you think? I My thought – I had this thought when I was uh, writing this funny, hilarious bit for you earlier. Um, I was trying to think of the telephone game that had to happen for Trump to peddle this story. And, and in my head, what I thought was some – some batshit lady gets on the plane, sees that everyone's wearing masks because you have to wear masks. Yeah. Right. Tells tells her like a uh, sister or brother who's, you know, whatever, your crazy uncle on Facebook <laughs> that, oh, everyone was on the plane wearing masks and they all everybody looked like they were headed into a war zone or something. And then crazy uncle interprets that like, oh, uh, you know, your aunt Jill was on the plane, and uh, she said everyone was was all uniformed up to go to war, and then it just kept going on and on and on until everybody was was wearing gas masks and or whatever in black t shirts and holding uh, holding you know tear gas. Uh, or some shit or hand grenades and going on a plane from the middle of Idaho to uh, Seattle. That's, that was my vision for how this, how this ended up. It, it's
0: quite amazing that, that people just taking preventative measures these days are are seen as radicals. Like you have to do this to get on a plane. And I do not even think the woman that might've mentioned it to her, her, her crazy uncle or whatever, um, might have even meant anything threatening by it. It's the people that are, like, that are outside that bubble, that, that don't travel anywhere, that are that are anti-maskers. Yeah, they're the never ones never gone that, anywhere. Yeah. yeah, they're the ones that really speed up this this game of telephone. And, and you're right, we see it in this area because we've had so few cases. Um, when when we've had um, the one or two cases that we've had in the past. Three or four months in this in this area of, of fifty or sixty thousand mm-hmm. people, the stuff that goes I around know. on 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 Facebook, going after these people that he was going around town and whatever else, and you then do a bit more research, and a lot of the time they're in a Melbourne hospital and they've they've caught it through the hospital system or they're in aged care but their address is back here or they're, they're a nurse and they're not even in the system. But there's a lynch mob that comes after them because their postcode or zip code, as you guys would, would call it, gets published. And then there's there's this game of, of telephone. I don't, don't even know whether sometimes it is telephone, but people actually just making up out-and-out out lies that, that people are spreading it in the community and you should be careful if you've been here and been there. And then it turns out that these people... Aren't actually in the postcode at the time that they've they've caught the virus.
1: My my favorite one still is the Antifa vans or bus oh. driving from uh, driving from like uh, Hammond, Indiana to Chicago. That was when we were um, when we were Memorial Day weekend ish when when we were sitting around and there was you know sort of the the George Floyd uh, protests. Um, had begun in, in Minneapolis and, uh, certainly were, were, were happening in, in the Chicago area. Um, there was just this, this very fake, um, trail of destruction that was going through like every, every, um, patch website, if you're familiar with not, not the guy, the, uh, <laughs> the website, that not. does like stupid, there's these stupid local next door would be another type thing where it's like this crappy local news. Okay. And then, um, like Facebook residents groups that were like, yeah. uh, oh, the Walmart on Weber road has been ransacked. And then you drive over there and it's like, Oh, it's just people going in and out of Walmart, like normal. What What? what the hell is going on here? You know, just making up destruction Yep, is extremely funny. Uh, this, this nation has, has, is absolute lunacy just 100% of the time. So, but we're fucked. So now it's just time to laugh. It's time to laugh again, Tony. And, uh, well, good luck with that for the next 50 or so minutes on this show. But, uh, Tony, we've got some response on our on our uh, talk last week uh, during uh, the aptly named Celti Hour. Uh, we had listener uh, and f- friend Corey commented he was drinking a Bud Light Seltzer Mango on Untapped. Uh, I made sure to point out that he should uh, that he, well, he said he was celebrating Celti Hour. I ensured that I comment, uh, you mean Celty hour presented by beer engine show.com. So I don't want him to be messing that up. And, uh, he did say DJ Khaled, please sue him, which I appreciate. I have of course have to be sued. So thank you, Corey, for doing your part. Um, you know, we, we need more of that. So if you're, if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to get DJ Khaled on, um, I don't know. Don't. I actually don't want DJ Khaled to sue me. I want someone like even, well, that's pretty famous. I don't know. I don't think he would sue us. So I don't think we're back. No,
0: but um, I'm fairly new to the, the Seltzy scene. What is the correct way to consume a Seltzie? Is it just See, they
1: keep people are pouring it into glasses with ice. I am not doing that. I am putting it in the fridge. I am cracking the can and I am just going straight out of the can. I don't. I don't know. It, it really does not need to have even the potential of getting any more watered down in my <laughs> mind.
0: <laughs> it, oh. it
1: tastes like water. I mean, it tastes like a like a, a you know Lacroix or whatever. It's a little more fruity than Lacroix. But
0: well, let's throw this out to Corey. How does he do it? Does he do it over ice in a in a like tumbler or boy, or is he like you just missionary style straight out of the can?
1: Missionary style. What mission? Canaries? Do you think we're drinking Bud Light Seltzer? I would love to hear that. Was it you know who was where was it in the San Diego Mission, San Francisco? Uh, you know, are you in you know uh, one of those you know colonial uh, you know Portuguese missions? What what are we where are we drinking? Uh, where are we drinking it out of the can? Well, and go.
0: See, I was actually <laughs> thinking like I could imagine somebody that's sort of a relaxed la- if there's such a thing mormon in utah like just sneaking himself okay
1: the joseph smith mission sure yeah
0: yeah just, just, just if they're going to sneak anything onto the compound with their with their eight wives it's going to be a Bud light celsius probably the mango flavor something tropical something really forbidden and and i reckon they might put it over ice if if ice is allowed in mormon compounds
1: i would expect in the nba bubble They've been they've been knocking off seltzers. That would be my that would be my expectation. It's low cal, it's low carb, um, and it's uh, it's sort of just flat out refreshing because you know in Florida it's hot right now. It's hot and nasty there. So
0: you do now. Which team do you think's leading um, the Chelsea, um consumption in the bubble? Because there are a few teams that could. I,
1: I, I sort think of Miami. My...
0: Yeah, that that's exactly where I was going with it. Jimmy, Butler.
1: Miami, Miami's got, so Jimmy Butler's on his Michelob ultra. He's on the Bud Light Celtic, which is a uh, hundred cals. And if you, and Myers Leonard was bouncing a bass, doing the basketball shotgun trick thing that, that, uh, people were, were trying to do and hitting themselves in the head or falling into a pool or whatever. So, um, I, I bet those guys are, are going hard on the, on the Bud Lights, on the Bud Light Celtics. And they're probably liking these new Flaves too. I haven't tried them yet, but I want them maybe this weekend. Tony, I was drinking beer this week. And also I know you were, um, I talked last week about my big logger shipment and I posted on Instagram that the logger man came to visit. Um, the logger man did come to visit. Uh, he was not, uh, although I did get a comment by the way, on my logger man post, I should shout that out. We always give cred to the commenters and, uh, our listener, Tom, did say uh, to my post of logger and the milkman. He said this milkman fucks. So <laughs> shout out to that. I, the milkman I posted. You you can tell us. Hey, go out there and respond. Do you think that milkman fucks?
0: I think all milkmen fuck. That's why they get into the to the uh, business of being milkmen.
1: That's right. Like well, the logger man managed. The logger man managed to get out of my uh, my hair here before he did too much damage. Uh, he did bring a lot of lager and it was from dovetail and it was absolutely fantastic. And it was so good, Tony, that it made me, I, I had to go visit our friends at dovetail on Sunday. Um, cause they have a super, uh, socially distanced patio. So we chilled out and drank some pills near there and it was so good on draft and it's so good in the cans it is so good. So if you're in the Chicago area, you got to get yourself that dovetail pills and the Kolsch too. The colch is stupid good too, but you got to get that stuff. It as much as I love Selti, boy. This this is a it it it's probably you know double the calories of Selti. So don't do it if you're gonna be healthy. But my God, is it some good pills. So follow up your Selti with a nice pills. Treat yourself, okay.
0: So uh, are they just doing a? brilliant straight up pills straight down the line, or are they doing anything new fancy?
1: Um, yeah, it's, or, it's, it's They're a very traditional brewery. Nice. So I'm, they're banging out pills, Kolsch. Uh, they they make some styles that maybe you're not familiar with. So Roush beer, I know you're familiar with Roush beer, but who doesn't um, love a I guess sandwich
0: in liquid form? It is exactly. delicious.
1: They make an excellent and, and somehow refreshing Roush beer, I would say. Um, <laughs> Really remarkable. Of
0: course, if a Rausch beer uh, is well made, it was, should be um, yeah. refreshing. It's it's designed to be refreshing. It's not like it should be a big beer that you can't you can't crush a couple
1: of. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very good. Um, and they also have uh, this weekend. I don't know. I don't know what inspired this. I don't really know much of the prevalence of these in you know Cologne, for instance. They had a Kolschbach, Tony, and that was a really Really interesting beer, Uh, kind of, you know, an amped-up version of a Kolsch. It was about almost 7%, I think. Very sweet, you know, uh, and it was delicious, sweet and fruity.
0: Uh, um, um, This is like me, beer-style nerd, trying to get my head around what this thing is. So is it just an Imperial Kolsch? Is that what you're saying, or was it treated like you would a Bock? in its fermentation and stuff probably over your head. Um, Cause I think you're a little bit Kulch- beyond
1: me on like Bach techniques. It was a 7% Kolsch. Kolsch is an ale. So I don't know. I guess I don't really know exactly like if they, how you could apply Bach techniques t- to that, but I'm, I I could be way off based on what specifically that technique is.
0: Well, a, a lot of box and stuff, um, Go through longer uh, maturation processes than than say a culture. Culture is a fairly um, streamlined yeah. production beer compared to a lot of lagers. So whether it was lagered, not not for a great deal of time, but I was just thinking a lot of box do tend to be lagered. So I wondered whether they did that or they just made an imperial version, which is neither right nor wrong. It, it's it, it sounds delicious either way. It's just me I'm
1: being. Not- Positive, but I bet I can find out. Now, I would say that they tend, again, they tend to follow the um, the process, I would guess, <laughs> to steal Sam, Sam uh, <laughs> uh you know, Catch terminology. Price. Now, man, it just says Colchbach style ale. So, you know, maybe they just made an imperial version of a Kolsch. And they probably, they certainly conditioned for a long time anyways. Their beers have a very mature to flavor. I would say, if that makes sense, you know, you can tell that they were not rushing these beers out the door. Um, but I would guess that they,
0: yeah,
1: I think they, I think they were probably, they certainly weren't pushing this out the door in two weeks would be my guess, right? Like everyone's doing, with hazy, they're dumping that quite yeast into hazy IPA and, and firing that shit in the cans and getting it out the door in a week and in, in 10 days or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, i would think these guys chilled on this for a little bit
0: it's just such a perfect style those pilsners and and i don't know if it, i'm not sure whether i buy into that there's a there's a difference between a german pills and a bohemian pills or, or a czech pills if you want to break it down by state lines i just think all pilsners are delicious and it can
1: i mean it, it's just hops it's just what hops you're putting in it right i mean the czech the Czech's gonna use the Czech hops and the German probably gonna use the German hops. And yeah. The noble yeah. Hops
0: or and, and they they do have a slightly different water profile, of course. Um,
1: yeah, no yeah, for sure, yeah.
0: Yeah. And and so a, a Czech pills is generally maltier and a German pills is generally drier. And that's also a difference in their malt bill. And this is like brew, brewing nerd splitting hairs. But you can <laughs> if if you were to get a classic example of either they are different. I'm I'm not sure which one's better. They they're all delicious in in my view if they're well made. Um, like Stella Etoile is not a well made pilsner, even yeah, though it's, it's probably not, not yet, a pilsner. We,
1: screw that. Yeah, we know we can. Um, so I did I did actually have another type of pills that I think stands out more as being more distinct. Ooh. Um, certainly if you're making them in America, um, which is Italian style pills and it's Italian style pills is i believe modeled after a beer like a good version of a peroni how about that you know but it's a dry hop so they've been dry hopped these pills right so they've been um dry hopped to some degree and logsden made one that that i got my hands on um this week and it was it's absolutely killer too um, it's much different, right? It's, it's a little more brute force pills, I guess, if that makes sense. It does. Um, it, uh, it, those hops are, are, you know, they hit you in the forefront. So not, not citrusy like, like IPA is, you know, or, or nothing like that. It's not, it's not like drinking a, it's not like drinking a, a, a hazy or anything like that, but um, they, they, it comes at you with some like sharp upfront bitterness, but man, is it easy to drink? It, it, it goes down <laughs> so fast uh, with that hop, like bite on the end too. Yep. Um, you can wipe that can out in about four glugs. It's, it's very, very easy to drink the the dovetail one goes down easy for sure. And it finishes very clean and it's very, very, that, that conditioning has built a beautiful minerally finish on that. It's just it's more complex. This one is it's got you know it hops man it hops and clean malt and you can just fire that bet you could drink four or five of these if you wanted to without without uh wearing your palate out or anything boy it's that tasty so shout out to Logsman for making sort of the more aggro version of pills we'll say you know the uh, this is like yeah, coming at you punching you in the mouth a little bit.
0: Beer nerd coming at you again, brewing nerd. Are they using traditional hops to dry hop that sucker? Is that done with either Sars or Tetanang or something similar to that?
1: Oh, who knows? Let's look at it, Tony. It's right here. Uh, what do I got? Right
0: to hand. Love that. Uh,
1: this is called Ferragosto, and unfortunately, it does not tell me what specifically the hops are. Um, it does have a nice picture of some of, of Italy on it, so. Um, Nope. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Unfortunately, I'm not a good enough. My palate is, I told you this, my palate is a child's palate. So I'll probably never know, but uh, it, is, it is really good. So Tony, I know you were drinking beer this week. I would love to hear Um, about the, uh, well, I mean, based on your untapped, you certainly weren't drinking a whole lot of Pilsner. So why don't you you go into some of the, some of the sweet sugar you were diving into this week?
0: Absolutely. But I do want to say just because I didn't have it on untapped doesn't mean that I wasn't drinking Pilsner. Just happened to be that the Pilsner I was drinking was a mass market Pilsner.
1: Oh, those are fine too. Whatever. Yeah, I'm not going to go out you for that. You were drinking. You were drinking PBR. We know. Okay, close. Fine.
0: Close. It came in a tall boy can. It is, of course, Oettinger, which is the German. Oh macro. yeah.
1: Those hey, those are good. You could do worse than that.
0: Yeah. So I, I won't take you through everything I drank. Um, my highest um, scorer for the week, of course, it was an Imperial. Uh, double. <laughs> this is the weird, the weird bracketing that the company have done. You're,
1: you're, you're, you're battling with this one. Imperial double. It's all of them.
0: Okay. This is what it's listed as in Untapped. It's an Imperial slash double New England style IPA.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, just I, I just, I just call it, I just call it double most of the time. Who cares, you know? And I'm not, I am not going. I know that there's supposedly a difference. I'm not fighting about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's just like that. That was a mouthful of beers, and that's why I was stuttering over it. So, yeah, that, that was my highest score for the week. But my most interesting beer, um, I thought it was going to be the Quebec beers because I did have an apricot Quebec beer that was, was delicious. But mm-hmm. most interesting was, of course, I, I seem to mention them every week Deeds Brewing. They had another pastry they, beer. They can't stop, yeah. Yep. They, they're calling it just a an IPA, and it's a pavlova IPA. So a pavlova is a quintessentially New Zealand dessert. Oh, that's going to upset any Aussie listeners we've got other than myself because they've done research into it. It is actually a New Zealand dessert, not an Australian dessert. Deal with it, people. It's still delicious. We still make it at Christmas, um, and so they've made a beer out of it. Are you familiar with a what a pavlova
1: is. I am. I'm not, I, I, some of it I've gotten from, um, of course the great British baking show, which we all know that I'm a, I'm a fan of who isn't, um, but maybe, but maybe I'm a, i am a. you know, my memory of it is not perfect. I, I would, my, my understanding is it's a, it's a meringue. Absolutely. Um, You've got that part. um, Yeah. It's a meringue. And I know, I believe there's fruits. Um,
0: There can be fruits. Now, This we're going to geek out on on pavs here for a split second. Bear with me, people. We'll get back into the seltzer and beer talk in a second. So a pavlova is a crispy outer shell meringue, so it's got to be crispy on the outside, but it has to be gooey, gooey in the centre. And so you would make it sort of cake size. this this giant meringue, and you could use 8, 10, 11...
1: Oh yeah, because it's like two different types of meringue, isn't it? It's like there's a no, it's the same. Okay,
0: it it, it's just your standard meringue. This is not an Italian meringue, but it's just in how it's baked and and how you have to let it cool. And so you've got this like crispy outside meringue with this marshmallowy center, and then it can be topped with a variety of things and you're right there when you spoke about that it's traditionally topped with with fruit kiwi being the classic fruit mango being um one of the many other fruits that you can put on a pav but you can also top it with other things um like the british
1: are putting berries on this thing i mean that's it. they're they're raspberries and blueberries on there
0: and and they're in season during our summer so they're really acceptable but you can also put chocolate flake chocolate. I don't know whether you're familiar with flake, but um, it's a Cadbury's product. But the most classic, like Australian, you would say redneck, but we would call them bogans, but it's delicious. I'm not using this as a pejorative term. In this this particular case, is is putting a candy that we call a peppermint crisp on top of your pavlova. You crush it up and you put it on top of your pav. Absolutely delicious.
1: So I mean, You're like Kelly. You like these mint chocolate stuff. And I, I don't mind it that much, but the, uh, yeah, I just, I am not nuts about mint, mint chip, ice cream, mint candy. Just doesn't there's something about it that just throws me. I don't know. Okay. It's not that I hate it. It's just like, it's just, it, I, I have a, not even an aversion. I just, it's like one bite and I'm like, oh, okay, I get I get what that is. And I'm just sort of putting it away. Like, Not you. with
0: a peppermint crisp. <laughs> you would good. You would be on board with a peppermint crisp. Look one up while, right. while we're talking because again, I'm geeking out about candies, but peppermint crisp is a, it's a chocolate coated bar, but inside it is hard candy, but it's hard candy in sort of shard form. It had a whole bunch of air pushed through
1: it. You've shown me this thing. This thing looks wild to me. (laughs) It is. I want to try it. I I don't know. I don't know what I'll think of it, but I certainly want to try it because it is one of the oddest looking candies I've ever seen. Um, it it sort of makes you think of a butterfinger that it would have a texture like a butterfinger. Yes, yeah. But it I don't does. know because does that shit get caught in your teeth like wild? Like is that stuff no. in your teeth for like a day? Okay.
0: No, because it is it. It's more toffee like. So. Um, okay. Yeah, it's very toffee like. In fact, so butterfingers
1: are in your teeth for eternity, <laughs> dude. They just never leave.
0: Yeah, you know? no, th- these do leave, um, and. Yeah, they're not unique to Australia. They're just a Nestle line that I don't think America um, actually have.
1: But yeah. I can get all this stuff. Man. I've been buying Korean potato chips and shit for the whole pandemic, so I'm sure I could dig myself up some of these peppermint crisps. I should just order some.
0: Have you tried the butter-flavoured um, Korean potato chips?
1: Oh, dude, they're so good. The honey uh, butter chips. Yeah, oh the honey God. butter chips.
0: Oh, so good.
1: Yeah, official, official wreck from the Beer Engine Pod. Get your hands on those honey butter chips from Korea. Just type in Korean honey butter chips on Amazon. Not Amazon doesn't me to promote them. Type it in on wish.com and see what comes up and <laughs> oh. then try it on Amazon after that when it doesn't. Well, um
0: jump on Amazon right now. See if you can get yourself a peppermint crisp, because if you don't love it, I'm sure Kelly will. But um
1: Yeah, sure. One of us will like it, yeah. Yeah.
0: But getting back to the beer, this was not a Pavlova um sort of tribute that actually um did the peppermint crisp route they actually went the fruit route and they actually gave you the um the specs of how much fruit they put in it which um was a crazy amount of fruit and a crazy amount of hops so maybe not for you you're probably more used to this but it was 18 grams of hops per liter which okay when i started out home brewing 18 Grams was enough for some recipes for English style beers, right, right. and that that's that's yeah. per litre. So it's it was it worked out. If I was doing a batch of homebrew, that was that was just under a pound of hops for, for that particular batch, and then on top of that, they fruited it with mango and and some other fruit at two hundred grams per litre. So it was extremely fruited, and what I really liked about it because a lot of these. Um, these gloop ipas can be over the top sweet it had a nice balance with warrior hop and it it wasn't just the bitterness that they got right they also got um a little bit of hop bite i'm not sure whether it was um just because it was really fresh but it was a really nice not oat sickly sweet version but really delicious
1: beer that's awesome yeah, that sounds good. I would absolutely try that. This Deeds, Deeds is your burial. The, uh, this, they are. This, they really
0: this. are. They, they cost uh, I'm, me I'm a fortune
1: because
0: I bought a Doppelbock from them. I bought um, a West Coast-style IPA. I'm very excited. They're, they're calling it a new-style West Coast IPA they're coming in at about 10%. That thing looks delicious. And I bought something else from them. Yeah. Um, God knows what it is. It, it was Deeds and it was, it was fresh. It's like three days.
1: I mean, that's me with Burial just clicking the buttons. I'm like, yeah, 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 send it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the pa- the PAV IPA is delicious. I'm glad I got two cans of that.
1: Fantastic, yeah. You got another one coming. I see the first can of like a, I got a triple IPA coming from Burial and I'm so pumped to open that beer. I can't wait. I have so much IPA in my fridge. I, was, I got a Tavor shipment last week and I was just like ho- ho- howling in the – Garage unpacking it because I was so mad that I bought all this IPA. Um, but most of them are pretty good. And then I also have some more burial that I keep buying. And I'm like, why isn't it here yet? And it's like, I don't have 500 IPAs laying around. You know, I could always drink one. Doesn't matter. But I want that one. Send it over. Um, <laughs> now, to Tony. Sorry. What
0: was your highlight of the week from your untapped? What was oh, dude number one don't beer? Tell
1: you Oh, dovetail pills. Do- I dovetail mean,
0: pills was number one for
1: you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, as much as I love all my little stouts and stuff, um, there's nothing I'm more excited to just plow through the the, the eight of them I bought and the twelve of them I'm about to buy than that dovetail pills. I mean, um, it's probably not very exciting, but that's my that's my top one this <laughs> week. Um, I can't think of anything else that 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 out outdid that for sure. Um, if there's anything close or if anyone's looking for something more interesting, I would say the stout I had from burial this week, the portal between Genesis and non-existence and Tony, this will be a little practice for you for a segment I want to do later. Okay. Uh, This was a stout with cocoa nibs, peanut butter, cinnamon, graham crackers, Tahitian vanilla bean, and smoked sea salt. And, uh, it was, very, very nice. It was intended to taste sort of like a, um, I think it was like a, like a peanut butter, like, or like a fluffernutter sandwich, I guess would be what I'm, what I'm guessing. Um, it was awesome. I mean, it was probably one of the best non barrel aged adjunct stouts I've ever had. Um, definitely had a lot of complexity to it was Somehow easy to drink at 15% alcohol and, uh, went down no problem with that. Um, and that's why people love burial because they're making, they're making the sweet candy stout and it is easy to drink somehow without being cloying. So, uh, of course love that, but I gotta, I gotta give the big shout to the dovetail pills. Just, it's not, it's not even that it was obviously it's hard to, you can't say one of those is better than the other.
0: But if you had to pick a favorite child, you'd you do at the end of the day have a favorite child.
1: Let's let's move into um, everyone's favorite segment, the segment that I, I have to re-paste uh, the name of into every time I do the doc because I can't remember the order of the words. Uh, this is Hyper Beer Nerd dork shit News. Tony, hit that drop. Hyper Beer Nerd dork shit News. All right, that was beautiful. We loved it. Uh, and... Uh, so, Tony, this week, we've got some big news that came out pretty much today. So, it saved my ass looking for content, but this is not the content we like to get. Uh, Surly, well, this is the con- – so, the first part of this content I love, and you guys know that from when I posted a people dancing around the Maypole picture on Instagram. But uh, Surly uh, – the workers of Sur- Surly Brewing have uh, – are attempting to unionize um this just should not shock anyone they work in a let's not call it dangerous but a hard labor profession um that needs rules and it needs regulations and it needs safety and it needs time off and brewing is an let's call it a young um industry here in terms of maybe not in terms of how long people have been brewing but in terms of how long most of these small to mid-sized breweries have existed uh, Surley's one of the bigger ones in the Midwest, uh, certainly, um, and they have a big facility in Minneapolis. So I don't think this this doesn't shock me. Anchor has already done this, and Anchor Union recognized and has been able to pass, you know, important um, measures along with uh, their their management. And of course, we all know that this this podcast uh, stands uh, with labor. Always, but the bad part of this, Tony, is that the day after Surly, uh, September first, when Surly, uh, the the workers of Surly announced their their um, requisition or their their I guess proposition to unionize, it's not even a proposal; they just their demand. Um, as you can see, I haven't done a whole lot of labor <laughs> organizing in my life, despite supporting it, um, and I don't read books. Because who does that? We already went over this. So uh, this was posted today under the workers of Surly Twitter account. And I'm going to grab it here. Okay. So it says, uh, dear, and obviously it does not say who that is, dear, uh, you know, worker, employee, we regret to inform you that Surly Brewing has decided to permanently lay off your position as part of a large-scale layoff that Surly Brewing Company will implement at, and here's their address, It's anticipated that this layoff will begin November 2nd. It's anticipated that your position with Searley Brewing will be laid off effective November 2nd. You do not have any bumping rights. In other words, you do not have the right to take any other employee's job. So I think that last sentence is important. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) last two sentences for the uninitiated, which includes me, frankly, but my, uh, what this would read to me as is okay, the day after we announced our intention to unionize Surly, which probably certainly, I, I would guess, is not like most place, you know, breweries that have tap rooms and restaurants, probably not, you know, raking in huge heaps of cash daily or anything, but uh, also a brewery that theoretically would have built enough stability at this point to last you know, for a period of time, at least in difficult climate. Um, But nevertheless has decided that all things considered, got the request to unionize and said, we're folding up shop, (laughs) but we're not doing it till November. And also we're making a point to mention that you can't take anyone else's job. A person who said you were going to unionize, which means almost 100, I would, I would guess to a T that they are planning to bring in scabs.
0: It seems like Because there's been talk that they've already um, Or have continued to um, Advertise new positions So it sounds like they're already Trying to establish a new Non-unionised workforce to replace The the current workforce That they had And this seems like nothing But a union busting Type move from Searley As far as I'm concerned And they're using the COVID situation And the fact that they're their tap room turnover is down to actually enable them to do that. And you want to talk about um, opaque sort of um, way oh, of yeah. going about it by the day after talking about how they'd been informed that their, their labor force was was starting to organize, then going out and doing this and saying that it's been in the pipeline for a few weeks just makes no sense and why wouldn't you leave that announcement at least a week or two later?
1: Yeah, the, the NLRB or whatever will have their you know be sinking their teeth in all over this you know this type of behavior by breweries probably should shock me Tony but uh, I think over the last handful of years we've we've sort of learned you know breweries spent a lot of time over the last decade or two in the US and and this has probably happened you're probably still in this phase in you know, Australia, since you know we've talked about how you, how you guys are—I don't know what happens down there. If you're like turning slower against the sun or something, or <laughs> time moves different, whatever. But um, you're still in sort of the phase where craft brewers, I think, are build are creating goodwill mainly. Yes. Um, here, here it feels like they're giving it back. Uh, the mid sized breweries, and I, I've mentioned this. In the past, whether it be on this podcast or in, while I was drunk in the ether, or yeah, you know, while I was drunk on this podcast, any of those <laughs> could have been could have been the case. But the when breweries grow to a certain size, it's poison. It's poison to their finances. A right, I mean that's one problem. Yeah, but it's poison to their brains. I think they get the brain worms. And I think you unfortunately start to learn at that point where they where they start to reach a growth plateau. You sort of realize which ones of which which of these breweries is "quote unquote" cool. You know who is actually good or has good politics or deserves the goodwill they built, and who is just a you know what 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 some percentage of the country is. Um, which is a technocrat, you know, Uh, and they are the union busting, uh, you know, development houses or warehouses or Amazons or otherwise that um, ask for uh, high labor demands, but with no labor protection or or appropriate wages or benefits or anything. Right. Um, I don't know where this comes from. Tony, I mean, I guess it comes from, is it the product of the growth? Is it just a greed? Is it a product of greed? Um, I don't know, but I I think we've seen it with Surly now. We've seen it with, um, with stone to a degree in different ways. Uh, uh, I I would not be surprised if we saw this happen with a brewery like a Lagunitas, not to, not to incriminate them. They haven't really done anything yet, but Um, It wouldn't shock me, and there's not a lot of exposition on this yet. I guess on what it's like to work in a brewery. Um, We know that many breweries ask for volunteer labor. We'll say, yes. Uh, when When does this get start to get called out? And honestly. I don't know. Does it make me sad? I can't tell if I'm sad about it. You know, I, I've liked Surly. I've, I've liked their beers over the years. I've enjoyed some of them. Some of them I don't care about, you know, um, to some part of me, it makes me sad, but, and it makes me, it makes me sort of dubious of the industry as a whole in general. And, and another part of it, I'm just like, fuck them. You know, I guess it just sucks and you just have to weed out, that you have to, just like anything else in the world, you have to say, I'm weeding these shitty people out of my sort of purview, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I, think I don't know what you think about this in Australia. but I
0: actually think it's just a broader um, symptom of um, some people within the corporate space that they are motivated – solely on profit not to say every brewery that's grown to this size is but as they grow to this size their motives become more transparent and people can see them for what they are and their practices become sort of highlighted more and I I think that's what this shows us because unless you you're making some amazing beer to get that growth that these breweries have gotten they have to be ruthless and they have to yep. um, in, indulge in business practices that perhaps you and I would not do. And so as they try and go larger and larger, it's not that they're necessarily evil, but they just do, th- do um, they're more likely to involve themselves in business practices that I don't find um, conducive to a good work environment or find that I would support them with my um Easy earned dollars, I was going to say hard earned dollars, but that's not correct in my case. So while they may be producing good beers, as things become more transparent, then we can make a choice about how we support these businesses. Um, I don't think it's our job as consumers to research every little micro brew to find out who's a mega a mega supporter and who's who's not but as brews become large enough and this this stuff becomes public knowledge I think it's on us once we become aware of it to only support those businesses that have good beer and good business practices
1: I, we say this after I was buying Bud Light seltzy, but uh, he didn't give me a heads up you were going to call me out actually to be fair with and this is maybe the depressing part of this to to a degree is you know anheuser-bush who it's a, i would say from a their practice i guess it's it's sort of uh, bird in the hand or you know six and one and a half dozen you know type of boat, maybe combine those metaphors because um I think you can see more out in the open when a, when a company like Surly uh, does something like this, that is especially shitty towards its workers here in the Midwest, for example, Um, Anheuser-Busch. So I I have friends, some friends who might be listening to this that work for Anheuser-Busch that do uh, work in packaging or otherwise. Right. And they're union. I mean, they're union workers. So it's, work, um, certainly even educated people. Right. I mean, I, I, I think, um, before taking jobs like that, I know I've had friends who've been developers or otherwise that took this work because they said, well, it's better paying and it's safer and it pays more. And I, I have better benefits, you know, (laughs) and it's less, less time, you know? Um, so you could say, well, and, but at the same time, you also probably presume that what, it, what's Anheuser Busch's relationship with their hop suppliers? With their, um, you know, those are some of the things that we've we've learned to question over time. That they that big companies like this, you know, lowball their suppliers. That said, who's to say that the craft brewers don't do it either?
0: Oh, and craft conglomerate
1: brewery. to do it. So yeah. So maybe, you know, certainly for. From a taste standpoint, I'm not, I don't get excited to drink Bud Light because it tastes plastic to me and has that very, you know, sort of synthetic taste that, that widely produced products sometimes have. Um, minus the Celtic, of course. I stand <laughs> you, Bud Light Celtic. But I think if you're going to grow up like, a Surly wants to, or like Loganese wants to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, well, and I shouldn't call them out. (laughs) Loganese didn't do anything, but I'm just picking a big brewery, right? Um, Like these companies want to grow. You're going to have to grow up those ways too, right? You're going to have to um, decide, you know, do I want to be a brewery of this size and have to become and become a union house, Right. Or do I need to go back to being a brewery of 10 or 15 employees and, um, probably not a, probably unlikely to be a union house, but I, to keep people in that environment, I'll have to, you know, uh, I'll have to live under the small business, uh, rules or whatever, you know, which aren't great here either. But you, I think you just have to decide if you're going to employ a hundred or 150 people, you're going to have to, you have to decide if you really, if you really want to do that, you know, and, and you have to respect, you know, people and give them and pay them and give them benefits and treat them well. So, uh, I don't care honestly for, for certainly I give a shit and I think it sucks. And I think that if they don't, uh, unionize then they should close. And if they bring in scabs, uh, certainly I will, um, you know, I don't think anyone here will, Bad an eye before they just stop buying Furious because who gives a shit anyways, right? Yep.
0: And uh, I'm I'm all for promoting other podcasts, so I will say if you want to hear some um, fucked up history of a beer company, the Dollop had a deep dive into the Cause family. So Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds over at the Dollop um, put together a podcast where they um, – improv their way through the history of the Coors Company and it was fascinating well not the Coors Company but the Coors family that's some fucked up shit
1: oh yeah the Bush the Bush family is its own fucked up shit I don't know if you've ever dug into them too but the beer families are like real really good I, I would I mean come on it's the pandemic hey Netflix get a Bush family and a Coors family doc on the you know, beer families of the United States. So let's fire that up, baby. Come on. <laughs> um, all right, Tony. So I got one last uh, new segment for you. It's a little bit of a game. You know, I love writing a game for you. You know, I love doing these gags like this. <laughs> you this, sure one this one was fucking lazy as hell. Just looking <laughs> for content. Baby. Just, I'm just, please give me, please fill 20 minutes. Um, this is me. I'm just, I'm just hunting around for something to stick in here. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) this one is especially good. You're going to love it. It's called Tony's burial. And, uh, we are at Tony's funeral. We're all, we're all, you know, we're all crying. We're all sad, but Tony pops his head out of the thing. He's like, Oh shit. Tony's awake. And he's, he's like, I'm fine. Well, I don't know what happened to me. I fell in this hole or whatever. So, I love bits where Tony gets in the ground somehow. Also, if you can't call it in this bit, Tony will, Tony wakes up and he says, uh, Hey, just to prove to you that I'm still alive. I want you to get, I want you to ask me what the five ingredients or, or whatever ing- amount of ingredients, uh, what the adjuncts are in this week's burial stout. Ooh. So Tony every week, a, a big stout comes out of burial every week. Every single week, they drop a 15% stout Would with a bunch cons- of crap in it.
0: Would you consider them even a brewery? Are they not just a stout house? Now, a stout house is just something I've created.
1: Nah, because I, I buy IPA and <laughs> Pilsner from them too. <laughs> if they were just a stout house, I'd have a whole lot less money. <laughs> I'd have a whole lot more money. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I like to buy two stouts and come, come out ahead. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I am going to give you Uh. well, first of all, I'll give you an example from, I'll give you last week's as an example. And we'll, and we can maybe do this, you know, we'll sneak this in every couple of weeks where you play this, but uh, I get one every week, every week, one of these stouts shows up in my house. Um, I'll give you the last week's as an example. I'll tell you the inspiration for the stout. So you, most of the time, 95% of the time, their stouts are, are inspired by some food item or a coffee drink or a tea or something they had recently or a candy bar or whatever. Yep. So um,
0: there could be a peppermint crisp one coming up soon.
1: Uh, you'll have to guess. I'll give you the number of adjuncts so I don't leave you that blind. And then you'll have to guess to me um what the adjuncts are and i'll i'll kind of you know count them down for you Okay. Uh, does, that make enough, does that make enough sense to be a game did i write enough of this for us to be able to do this
0: it does but how many ingredients do i have to get right for this to be a correct answer because i'm never going to get all the adjuncts in in these beers
1: all right. we'll say that if you get if you get i think with this one i think if you get uh If you get three of the five right, I'll be pretty. I'd be pretty happy. Okay,
0: sixty percent is a pass mark. Gotcha.
1: This week has five, but here's last week's example. Um, Oh, and I'll read you a little bit of the blurb too. That might help. So, here's last week, and you don't have to guess this one because I'll just tell you what it was. So, Uh, last week was fantastical apparitions of none such, an imperial stout with macaroon, coconut, and Tahitian vanilla so this was inspired by uh a cocktail no i don't know this one wasn't inspired by anything they just put a bunch of coconut and vanilla in a stout so it's not a perfect example i don't know why i pasted this one in here
0: isn't it based Uh, on on a macaroon but not the french macaroon but the jewish macaroon which is how i was introduced to macaroons which is a coconut based cookie by the sounds of it
1: yeah Sounds like that's correct, yes. Uh, and it sounds delicious, and I have, I have one, so I'm excited to have it. Um, it's got coconut in it. St- of course you've, you've got one. Oh, of course, you know I'm buying that. Of course. Uh, this one I, I bought too, though. So here's this week's uh, – it is called A Mausoleum of Nonconformance. This one is inspired by a classic rendition of a certain maple frosted cinnamon roll that many of us hold dear. So uh, this is uh, yeah, it's inspired by a cinnamon roll maple frosted and it has five adjuncts. All right. So So, uh, here's the tasting notes. I'll even give you these for free. Big chewy maple eclair carrot cake frosting, chocolate custard pie and gooey Cinnabon. Uh, It's 15%. So there's five, yeah, there's one, two, three, four, yeah, five adjuncts.
0: Okay, so we'll we'll knock off the lead spice, which is of course cinnamon. So that's gonna be number one.
1: There you go.
0: Now About that. Of course, um, I think to get the maple flavour in, they're not doing anything super crazy. I think they're using maple syrup. I don't think they're ageing in burple, bur, <laughs> bourbon barrels <Burples>. or anything. <laughs> uh,
1: no purples were involved, but there is maple syrup, yes. Okay.
0: Now, this is where it gets tricky. I know they're basing it off a uh, Cinnabon, I'm guessing. Now, I'm only vaguely familiar with those. They're, they are a chain, but in australia but there's only like three or four shops in australia um and i've had them before now
1: one of one i'll, I'll give you this hint one ingredient is going to be especially difficult i think to <laughs> for you to manifest in your head but okay um it's not that it's an ingredient you've never heard of it's that you just won't i think i think you're having have a hard time coming up with how it even could exist in this
0: okay i'm <laughs> um Gee, I'm already running thin, but I'm going to don't don't give me right or wrong from this point because I'm just going to quick fire them at you. I'm going to say lactose. I think any modern pastry beer is going to have lactose in it. I
1: is think right. Yep, that's three.
0: Okay, so I've got the pass mark. Now I'm just reaching, and I'm going to say, and this one's going to be way off base because I don't even think these are in buns. But for some reason, I think this has got raisins in it or some other dried grape, and my last guess is like you can't put butter in it. What else is part of a cinnamon Vanilla. We'll go with vanilla as the last one.
1: You got vanilla right. All you did right. not get the raisins right. Uh, the last one, and I was right, this was going to be a hard one for you. Butter was honestly like on the path. <laughs> you were like walking the road. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll read you their, their phrasing here. I'll just read you the whole blurb. So, um, we, our head brewer, uh, asked us to create a, recreate a classic rendition of a certain maple frosted cinnamon roll that many of us hold dear. We had to oblige by turning to our friends at Spice Walla for their killer Vietnamese cinnamon. We brewed this monster with absurd doses of powdered cream cheese and lactose with a hint of maple syrup and vanilla to get that classic breakfast great depth. Unfiltered and intended to coat as you drink fresh.
0: That sounds delicious.
1: Now you are having a powdered, gun- powdered, powdered cream cheese was the one that you that you missed.
0: Now, I just want to say I can't wait till we start seeing like tiramisu dessert beers with with powdered mascarpone rather than just straight up cream cheese. I'm I'm not sure what powdered cream cheese is, but I need to get me some of that. That sounds delicious. Um, I I didn't know it existed. (laughs) And it's definitely something that should go in everything now. It it sounds amazing. And
1: this sounds like a good beer. I replace milk with just stirring up some powder, a glass of powdered cream cheese. Oh. <laughs> I don't know instead of uh, instead of milk. Gee whiz! Um, yeah, I saw that and I was like, that is that is one of the things that just sort of like blew my mind. Yeah, uh, it's and, wild.
0: And it should have tipped my hand when it said carrot cake frosting because, of course, the only acceptable uh, carrot um, cake frosting is is the cream cheese version but I was thinking, how do you get something more than lactose into it? I was thinking that's where the lactose comes in. That's what they're saying is carrot cake icing, but no, they're taking it a step further and I can't wait to see more pastry out with cream cheese in it because I know a bunch of desserts with cream cheese in it.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, carrot cake frosting, right? But, uh, yeah, so um, Cinnabons have what I would call, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cream cheese frosting. I mean, it. I, I think of a Cinnabon, it's so good when it's hot, but man, is it disgusting. Um, and I'm sure that dough, I'm sure, you know, fucking Paul Hollywood is cringing thinking of how that dough is made. God only knows, but um, they are good when they're warm, man. It's wild. To be fair, the best, the very best cinnamon roll I've ever eaten is actually in, was in, not, this is such a brag but when when we were in Iceland and it actually didn't have any cream cheese frosting I don't think it was more of like a it was much more bready than pastry I'll say that but a Cinnabon does sound good right now and I can't wait to drink this beer Tony. sounds delicious I'll report back on it next, next week well actually it'll be in two weeks because I have to order it tomorrow so mausoleum of non Tony it's named after a mausoleum and that's where you were before you <laughs> managed to answer this question make mostly correct and and get out of your tomb uh, or casket or whatever it was i said you were in who cares and uh you know now you're safe so next week we can you know now you can guess another one after i whatever probably pull you out of a well or whatever it is <laughs> like you for these games very good uh tony um i think we I think you nailed that. And I think we have nailed yet another classic episode of the beer engine where I definitely made some loud banging noises and hopefully we didn't have a bunch of cutouts. What do you think?
0: I think we had some cutouts. I think you did make some banging noises, but otherwise it was a really fun episode. At least it was to record. Um, So if anybody else enjoyed it, well, good luck to them. And if they didn't enjoy it, well, they can go fuck themselves. This was free.
1: Hey, did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Did you hate it? Do you, are you, do you want me to pay you money because you spent your time listening to this? Well, you can email us at uh, beerenginecho at gmail.com, I think. Uh, or you can uh, post on our Instagram. If you didn't know, I read our Instagram comments on the air. Even if you talk about the milkman fucking, I will read it out loud. Uh, and our Instagram is at beerenginepod. You can uh, look at and also you can look at pictures of what was that picture I posted this week, Tony? I made it in Microsoft Paint where I am an expert, well-known expert <laughs> in Microsoft Paint. I'm sorry. Very good job by Im- me.
0: Image itself. But why are you using Microsoft Paint? Surely you should be using like the Nintendo version of that uh, Mario
1: Paint. Oh, M- Mario Paint? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the YouTube of uh, like the Mario Paint music? where they write like very complex songs and you can like follow the long the little Mario's bouncing around on there. you should look those up if you haven't seen.
0: I have not seen those yet another YouTube rabbit hole for me to go down.
1: Yeah. Good. yeah, Dig around in that. Um, hey, follow us on Untapped too. Uh, I've actually got picked up some untapped followers. You guys like seeing my check-ins. I am Griff AD. Tony is St. Ma's. Um, now on mine, if you're in the, if you're in the States, you will look at my and you will say, yes, I know where those places are. If you're in the States and you look at Tony's, you will go, "What? what is that? <laughs> what is that? That sounds good. I don't know how to get that. And you'll realize that's pretty far away. But if you're in Australia, which we do have a number of listeners in Australia, um, hey, you can go pick those up at your local uh, IGA. You know, <laughs> Don't go to your local IGA here, though. You're not going to be able to see shit. You know?
0: Well, I good would luck. say pick it up at my local IGA because – it's the second best stocked IGA that I know of in the state. So, as far as your beer, poor
1: guy right now is listening to this and being like second,
0: well, because mean- he orders it through another store, and and they apparently like he uh, he has like one fridge door that he just stocks with the best craft beer. Apparently, these ha- these guys have an entire six door fridge just stocked to the hilt with craft beer, and he was able to get get me a Danton's Imperial Bourbon Barrel Age Stout, which I'm very thankful for because he only got um, three bottles of it and I was lucky enough to get one of those bottles. So big shout shout out to Aaron.
1: Yeah. Nice job, Aaron. Um, So, yeah, write us, text us, message us. I don't know. uh, We will talk about it on air. Tony, I have to go and drink some of my own candy stout. You got any last words? Uh, before we close up the casket again?
0: I'll be back. You cannot kill me.
1: (laughs) All right, everybody. Later on.